Oh, yeah. Because I have a very good brain. Children do learn. This is a house of learned doctors. I took a speed reading course, and not to brag, but my speed shot up to 43 pages a minute. <laughs> but my comprehension plummeted. Very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am royally pissed. I'm not going to have Pepsi with baby flavoring in it. I mean, what the hell have we become? Excuse me. Hello. Hey. Randy. Mr. Lee. Randy. But Ms. Wiggins. Randy. Randy. Are we having fun yet? Yeah. Come on, yeah. This is episode 37 of The Reading Rain Bros. I am your host, Jonathan Slade, alongside Michael Babo. What up? What up? This episode is on Super Pumped, The Battle for Uber by Mike Isaac. And I really think the bros have found their niche, I think, with what books we both like and i th- think just there's a couple of things why we like these business oriented books especially with companies that we have lived through and saw and like use the apps or like understand what's going on with them and recognize the faces mm-hmm. of the company um one it's a good story but there's so much more intrigue where it's like we're both business minded so we like to see how they rise and fall what are the personalities behind these companies i think what, that's one of the things we're going to emphasize is you know Uber is Travis Kalanick. There's no like, you know, you can't separate the two. And I think this book is really, even though it's a book about Uber, I really think it's a book about Travis. And I think just like we did Billion Dollar Loser, it's a book about Adam Newman. I mean, that's a company, but they rise and fall with their with their leader. So, um, and then also I think we like these long form books. I know Bobo's like really read a lot of Michael Lewis stuff and how it's just, there is, there's always intrigue in a business book. And when you're following the headlines day to day, you're guaranteed to get the wrong info. So when these guys are kind of writing it like a year or two later, ideally they've sifted through all the BS headlines and they're giving you like the real story. So you're not plagued by the mass media Twitter culture that will like could ruin a company by a tweet. But then a year later the book comes out and it turns out that was never true or that was totally overblown that was just someone trying to get a headline so i think the bros really appreciate this this narrative of the business rise and fall because no one really wants i don't think people want to hear the rise and the keep rising they love the the rise of tragedy and then what happened to the to the figure that uh made it so far and then you know non like like just died in in the battle for their company or going ipo so Bobo, what what are your some of your hottest takes and, and thoughts about Super Pumped, the battle for Uber? Yeah, so we really kind of enjoy these fall from grace stories where they're they're like business oriented books for sure, but they're told through these really larger than life characters. And in Super Pumped, it was Travis Kalanick who created Uber, the ride sharing app that I'm sure you've heard of and <laughs> taken on occasion, um, but it's really kind of a story of, of, of the hard-charging CEO pushing 
his employees and his companies beyond uh, any anyone's real capability and <laughs> and really kind of uh, running people roughshod yeah. to to get the company to the point that the CEO wanted to get it to. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's it, this was a really interesting story because. You know, we were talking about this uh, pre-pod, you know, I, I think Travis is a much more sympathetic character than Adam Newman. I mean, he's definitely kind of your your tech bro um, that is, you know, not politically correct. Uh, you could maybe call him misogynistic or whatever you want to call him. But, um, you know, I think he, he was he was continuing to try to run a startup through when the company was growing to be to be a publicly traded company and that had thousands of employees around the world and that we're also dealing with the headache of having a bunch of independent contractors as drivers and not as employees um, but I really I really appreciated the book it was a really well written narrative full of a lot of uh, really interesting detail again I really like these stories where the author kind of becomes a part of the story. In this case, um, it was Mike Isaac who was was he at the New York Times or, but he basically he was a part of the story because there's a lot of intrigue <clears throat> at the end with the drama around pushing Travis out of the CEO position as the uh, investors uh, tried to get them to the point of an IPO and. And and Travis, like like Newman, like Adam Newman, didn't really want to get to be a publicly traded company. He wanted to continue running the company like a startup, despite the fact that he had so many employees and really just, you know, couldn't couldn't run the company that way anymore. And he really he really pushed people to the limit and rubbed people the wrong way. But but that's how Uber became to be what it is today. They had to work in a lot of legal gray areas they had to go you know toe to toe with with entrenched uh, taxi companies and taxi unions and in, in major cities and and literally go up against transportation departments in in big cities across the country uh, he tried getting into China and Southeast Asia that didn't go over well um, but <clears throat> but really uber would not be what it is today if it wasn't for Travis Kalanick and um, the way he was pushed out was, um, you know, it, 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 it probably had to happen to get them to the point where they are today. And then they brought in the, the former CEO of Expedia, Dara, something or other. I can't say <laughs> his last name. Him, yeah. He's a uh, Persian. Yep. But they really had to ch- kind of change the, the, the face of the company literally because <laughs> so that they could... Uh, transition to being the publicly traded company <clears throat> that they are today, and their IPO did uh, their their price did drop substantially. And uh, these this kind of story, it was both Uber and WeWork where the the kind of the tech bubble that kind of popped since 2010. These tech companies were rising and rising and rising despite their revenues and profit margins not rising along the same rate. So there's a lot of these investors that were investing in these companies that were gonna supposedly changed the world and in, in a way uber definitely did in terms of transportation and how people get around and uber eats is huge and 
Um, but one thing I'm, I'm a little disappointed at is that, you know, we, we kind of got the conclusion of the story about how Travis was, was pushed out and how Uber got to become a publicly traded company. But uh, one, one story that has yet to be concluded is how the driver situation will be resolved, how, uh, you know, California just passed a law mandating that Uber's uh, drivers be not independent contractors, but employees of the company, which makes which mandates that they have health insurance and all the other employee benefits that come along with being a, an employee. So uh, but but really, really well done narrative. I mean, it was oh, man, it was a really, really interesting story about the rise and fall of Uber told through uh, the story of Travis Kalanick. Yeah, exactly. And um, the the thing, the reason that he's he's sympathetic, and I think Mike Isaac plays a really good, like he, he tries to understand Travis's background and his, his, like the companies that he started beforehand and kind of the lessons he learned and the kind of the, the chip on his shoulder he had from the first company that got, um, he's like, he got screwed over by investor in his mind. So he's like, I'm yeah. never going to allow anti VC. He was very anti VC, but ultimately he let them in. And I think Bill Gurley at benchmark, I think he's also represented in billion dollar loser. Yeah. I think he's also there too. Mm-hmm. And, um, he comes, comes across like some like six foot, 10 foot tall, six yeah. foot, 10 tall, bumbling southerner that just has every like good intention in the world but i I think he's kind of dumb like i i see him presented in a way but like he basically stabbed travis in the back and basically created a like during the last like part of the book he's basically getting the board against travis to kick him out and he's texting people and he's doing stuff behind the back i think he's one of the people that actually contacted or was in contact with mike isaac at some point so um, that's how Mike Isaac got involved is he was like one of the only people that knew that this ouster was coming. Right. The reason I feel bad for Travis is that um, what what is a company like Uber couldn't start without Travis. Like we don't just go like, oh, you know, the only people that can be entrepreneurs today are Jesus and Buddha. They have to be perfect people. They cannot have any flaws. Um, but what do you think it takes in terms of a personality type to get to uh, to be Uber, like Bobo was saying, you're fighting entrenched bureaucracies. Mm-hmm. You're literally fighting um, cartels in some South America. Like Uber drivers were killed, their cars were set on fire, they were chased out of their homes. Like, and then trying to manage that, you have to have a certain <clears throat> ego-driven personality. That like we're yeah. we're gonna do well, we're gonna drive, we're gonna do things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Some of the elite. I don't know if you even call it legal because you don't have, when there's no law for it, you don't know if it's right. legal. Like the whole thing they did with gray ball. Yeah. You remember that where it was like, right. they were not showing, was that the whole, like not showing lift drivers? They were or? able to ghost people that they identified as transportation officials that oh, were trying yeah. to nail them on operating illegally in a, in a city. So they figured out where like geographically these people would like leave their office. And then when, like where they would be when they would call. So they basically like, show zero uber rides available for certain people i was like that's that's smart yeah that's the type but of it person- definitely infringed on on people's privacy because they, mm-hmm. they were able to kind of get you know some other information from them through their phone via the uber app to identify who they are yeah it was like where they lived or their zip code and i learned a lot like this was probably a transportation person 
So, so that was a, a gray area um, as well that I was like, okay, but like, what is he supposed to do? Like, there is no way that that um, given the structure of how taxi medallions are given out in certain cities, that Uber would ever fight be able to fight that mm-hmm. on a quote, even even level. And I think one of the things they did was how did they fight Lyft? Were they did they also have a way of making sure drivers weren't driving for both? Was that brought up in there? Um, I can't remember what they did with Lyft, but I remember they took a really aggressive stance against. All the competitors, like in like in Thailand, yeah. Lyft. I think they did more to like kind of entice drivers over to Uber rather than Lyft, and I don't know, like under undercut them through how they got paid or something. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't so, anyways, Travis did literally like might is right, whatever it took for him to get up and going, and to the point where they would be too big to fail. It's another one of these like Adam Newman type deals where it's like, well, we'll be too big to go bankrupt. Right. Someone will have to bail us out because we have too many people working for us. Um, so what I, my, my point that I learned that, that I want to make here is what do we expect from entrepreneurs like Travis? They're going to be ego driven. They're going to probably be a little bit like high on their own supply. So they're going to attract party animals. They're going to attract <laughs> that fast life. Yeah. Um, not everyone is going to be like a Bill Gates type where they're kind of shy and introverted and they're not like, they're not uh, the Travis, but can we have this success without the bro, bro culture, Bobo? Mm. Yeah, well, I think you know it's a it's an interesting situation. So you definitely need that kind of um, a CEO that is willing to to push the boundaries, to uh, push people beyond their limits, to get the company to the point that it is uh, that to the point where they want it to be, mm-hmm. to be, you know, a global enterprise and a company that's going to kind of change the world or what have you. And so, you know, Travis was really, really instrumental in, in real, in getting his uh, employees to do what they want. And, and, and it, it's almost like, uh, yeah, it's almost, you know, a, a a holier than thou kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. Travis was, you know, a really kind of a transformational figure that, that people wanted to be a part of and wanted to uh, help it out. But, but really there were some interesting kind of cultural trends going on at the same time mm-hmm. with, yeah. <clears throat> you know, with the me too movement and with, um, you know, with, uh, with people looking kind of, just ha- taking issue with the the tech bro culture and the lack of uh, diversity, if you will, in uh, tech companies. And uh, you know, Uber was kind of became the poster child of that. The whole uh, delete Uber fiasco was was very very difficult for uh, a scaling uh, tech company like Uber, where it had exponential growth, and then all of a sudden, everyone's deleting the apps because. <laughs> And it was literally because of a video that came out from Travis, like kind of berating a driver. And that was a really bad PR fiasco. And it, it just there was just time after time where, where Travis was not um, acting as a CEO of a major company should act. He was still stuck in that startup CEO mentality. So it's it's really a tricky situation because you, you can't have a company without the hard charging CEO, like I mentioned, but then to take that next step to become a publicly traded company, sometimes that initial 
startup CEO is not the right person for the job. And um, I, I don't think Travis did himself any favors um, with the board and with his, his investors because he he really he really didn't do anything to make the situation any better. And they they kind of gave him all 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 the chances that they could, but um, the the investors need to you know they're not going to make money until they you know cash out through a initial public offering. So mm-hmm. the the VCs are doing everything they can to push the company to be you know, on the stock exchange, mm-hmm. while Travis is trying to do everything he can to maintain control of the company and mm-hmm. and have his have his board seats. So the whole conflict over, you know, who controls the board and everything was a really, really interesting kind of tale that was concluded over the course of the book and, and how, um, you know, the author was a part of that and how the news of that leaked and, and how they couldn't control it. And, and, and some people on the board wanted them out. So, you know, I, really these these companies need a, a Travis Kalanick to get them to the point but then that person is not always the right person to take the company to the next level so yeah I feel I feel bad for Travis <laughs> because he always he always knew that the VCs were gonna screw him over eventually yeah, and did. they did yeah. and but he, he really kind of brought that on himself and he he, he could have made some changes and he couldn't change and you know he had a really really rough year in 2017 2018 like his his mom died and and then he was getting pushed out of the board and and he tried to get he tried to get it back and he was still like working as a CEO even though he's supposed to step back from the company so like he literally would not be told what to do and and that would eventually be his downfall yeah that without that was a pretty bad time so his mom died in a boating accident i think he'd recently like within a year before that like broken up with a longtime girlfriend mm-hmm. and just a lot of things were going negatively for negatively for him and i think one one interesting thing that wasn't really travis's fault but i remember it now as a story was like ariana huffington got involved in the company at yeah. some point and there was like some all hands meeting where one of like the older gentlemen said something about um, Huffington joining the board or more women joining the board. And he said, well, I know for one thing, there's going to be more talking at these (laughs) meetings. And then Bill Gurley from benchmark, the big VC was like, I can't just, just, I cannot believe this. And it was like, somehow that got lumped in like with just, that's like a symptom of Travis. And like, this is another thing that Uber can't, can't stomach anymore. So he had to, he had to be gone. Recently, I know that Travis, um, actually, he's on LinkedIn. And he didn't accept, you know, my request, but yeah. you know, he's probably just sifting through it. But he'll get to me. <laughs> he started some other company, and um, I've read and or heard from people that know about this new company that the, the ghost kitchen thing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. the ghost kitchen thing yeah. that he's pretty much they call him. He's still a slave driver. He is still right. like, if you're committed, you're gonna work. You know. 23 hours a day you're gonna sleep in the office like so we still got a little bit of his like i didn't learn i I didn't learn how to be a better or softer leader or like manage some of the things there um so let me ask you about mike isaac the author do you think that um he is pretty objective do you think it was overly critical of you know travis of uber bro culture um silicon valley you know what did you think from I think it was very balanced. I like yeah. he definitely talked to a lot of people. He definitely tried to be as objective as possible. He gave a, sort of like a very good um at the time, especially cuz another thing that you mentioned me too was going on, but also the Trump Trump was yeah, in yeah. office and that was a 
Like was was Travis going to meet with Trump and then he said he was going to, but then his own company revolted and then he lost some people. And yeah. So what do you think that um, Mike Isaac's overall like tone was? Was it critical? Was it aware awareness of an issue? No, I thought I thought he did a really good job at being objective and and reporting on the rise and fall of Uber. I think he 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 did a lot of interviewing of a lot of people Mm -hmm. to get all sides of the story and i like i said he was eventually a part of the story and that's i think that was a really interesting twist at the end there but yeah i think i think he was pretty pretty fact-based and 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 i mean there was it was chock full of information and he really kind of did a good job at keeping things in in historical context Mm -hmm. as well Mm because a lot happened at uber just over the last decade which it's was its whole existence really yeah but yeah, the whole Trump thing was interesting. That was kind of the the start, I think, of Travis's downfall when he was a part of, of Trump's like tech CEO council, and then he's he stepped down. But it was already too late, and and everyone in Silicon Valley is very, very, very anti-Trump. And Travis was just trying to have a literally have a seat at the table. But yeah. I mean, that was uh, seen as a big. A big no-no. So yeah, I think there's a, a lot of interesting kind of cultural trends going on at the same time that 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 kind of contributed to Travis's downfall. But yeah, that's that's great. That's a great, and I love how he brings that up too. So bit wide context about what was going on at the time, why certain things were changing, how Travis was a part of that. Um, so what do you? What is your rating, Babo? Oh, I will give it a eighty-three percent. Okay. I'm going to give it 80, 8.1, 81%. That's good for the bros. I mean, we've definitely read a lot worse. Um, I'd recommend it to somebody. This is one that is not going to be donated. I will keep this on the shelf. So I think that's a good, I think that's like what I'm going to start doing is like, (laughs) is this going to stay on the bros shelf or is it going to be donated and getting some cash back? Oh yeah. I'll keep it on the shelf. I, I I really enjoyed the book. It was uh, really Really chock full of a lot of interesting stories that uh, that really kind of tell the tale of of Travis Kalanick mm-hmm. and Uber. I mean, it. Uh, and you're not going to get it if you read if you were reading the articles at the time it was breaking. You just don't have the context. The context because it's in real time, so there's no like bigger picture being seen. Yeah, he does a great job at kind of connecting the dots and going through it chronologically how everything happened i think it was really really well done and i would definitely recommend this book to people trying to get a sense of 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 the tech culture over Mm -hmm. the last decade and and kind of uh i would i don't i don't know if it's a cautionary tale i think it's really kind of i mean i do admire travis for what he did to to get uber to the point that Mm -hmm. it is but i think you know it's interesting because some people just don't change and people kind of are who they are. And that's kind of like, a, I don't know, a semi existential question. I'm always noodling through like, do yeah. people change? Can they change yeah. or are people just, are they who they are? They just, they are <laughs> you know, like it. and in Travis's instance, I think he is who he is and he, he, he can't change that. And so, be really interesting to see if he has some kind of second act or maybe i guess this is a third yeah act this would be this I, 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 yeah he had a, a failed company that he got screwed over the bc <laughs> before uber and then uber and then we'll see what happens next yeah <laughs> i think he's definitely i mean he's only i think he's like 40 maybe he's 50 he's 40. so he's got plenty of time to for a second a third act um 
so just some some housekeeping so you keep y'all updated housekeeping <laughs> some new no 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 <laughs> some new cities have entered the uh list of uh, the top city was toronto Followed by, I don't know how to say it, it's Iasi, I-A-S-I, Romania, mm. and then Waitara, New Zealand. So, um, you know, going worldwide here. New Zealand? You <laughs> have a flat what? Spotify, I say it every week, it's been killing mm. it for us, gained a new follower, 878 new unique listeners. That's a new IP address. So, we still have our core group, and then we said- Unique. Set up- New York. Exactly. So whatever they're doing there, get on Spotify and subscribe to us there. That's what we that's where we want y'all. Um Bobo, any last words for for the kids out there? No, just uh stay safe out there. <laughs> Love one another. Be there for one another. <laughs> We're all in this together. Yes. <laughs> no, thank you all for listening. Really, really uh enjoy. And it's a, getting to do these podcasts. It's it's Bobo's turn next, so hopefully he keeps the the streak of good, solid content going. Yes.